Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. The goal of this podcast is to preserve the life and ministry of our late pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder. For 58 years, Dr. Tedder was the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We believe the message you're about to enjoy will be a help and an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. And now, here is Dr. Jim Tedder. Tonight, after the services, the young folks will meet tonight. Eagle Christians, and I, I've, I've, I've titled this thing wrong. Uh, I should entitle this thing. If it is it the final flight? Is that what you've got on your on your sheet? That's wrong. That's wrong. It should be. If you want to mark through that, mark through it. It's our homeward flight. It's not our final flight. I was thinking about that a few minutes ago. Our final flight. When will our final flight occur? I don't know. I guess as long as God wants us to fly, we'll be flying, won't He? Uh, so this is not our final flight. This is just our flight home. Uh, and and let me talk to you. Our flight home when the eagle. Most eagles are born on a rock. Now, we've discovered that and learned that a long time ago. And sometimes they get off their rock, and sometimes they get down the valley, and they get attacked by bacteria and what have you, and their feet swell, and their feathers fall out, and their beak gets a calcium deposit on it. They lose their tears, and they really, they, they, they just dry up and die unless they get meat from other eagles, uh, and that meat comes down from heaven. These other eagles don't fly down on that turf where they are they just fly over with a with the raw meat in their hand and and they drop it down from heaven uh, that's my job is to drop you down meat from heaven every now and then and 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 if you'll eat that meat it'll give you spiritual strength and if you're not where you ought to be the meat that comes from heaven will give you the spiritual strength to get to where you ought to be and that's the bible and that's the lord jesus christ he he's the he's the meat that we feed off of he said my my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And, and so we get our life. We draw our life from the Lord. But now most eagles, when they're down in the valley, they can't get back up there. They, they see the rock or they see some rocks, and they, they tell me that they'll just sit and gaze upon those rocks. And, and they'll gaze at that rock until they die if they don't eat that meat that comes down. I don't want to be gazing upon the rock. I want to be on the rock. Amen. I don't want to be, I don't, what is it, brother? I don't want to be following him. I want to be after him. And that, that's what it's all about. Just being after Jesus. Now just get to where Jesus is. And Jesus is our rock. Oh, so many times in the Bible he's referred to as a rock. Uh, first of all, he's called the rock of offense to the lost world. He's called a stone of stumbling, uh, to the nation of Israel. He's called the foundation stone of the church. He's called the stone the builders rejected. That's what he is to us. Israel rejected him, but thank God the church is built upon the rock, the rock being Jesus. He's called the chief cornerstone, uh, the head of the corner. He's called the stone cut out without hands in the book of Daniel. And, and then also in the book of Daniel, he's called the smiting stone that will, uh, will destroy Gentile rule. And so Jesus is the rock. He's the rock of our salvation. And, and, uh, an eagle Christian, my friend, is, is, uh, uh, someone, I, I used to think that there were just a few eagle Christians, but now as I've been to studying through the scripture, I think it's God's will that every child of God develop into an eagle Christian. I don't think they will, but I think it's God's will that they do. It's, God's not willing that any should perish, but there's a lot of folks going to perish. But it's God's will that we develop from sheep to eagles. 
from followers to those. The eagle, the big characteristic about the eagle is that it has the telescopic vision, the microscopic vision. And, and he sees out yonder in the future. Now, there's no way that I've got a crystal ball or you have a crystal ball that you can see the future, but we've got something better than a crystal ball. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And, and it's God's will that we study the Bible and be able to look into the Scripture and see things that's coming to pass. And, you know, folks are developing around this church and, and, uh, eagle Christians and, and, and they give, every now and then they, they feed me on a morsel. 18th chapter of the book of, of, uh, Isaiah in verse 2, uh, the Bible says, uh, woe unto the rivers, well, it said, woe unto the land shadowing, uh, with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulwarks and, and bulrushes. Upon the water, saying, Go ye, uh, swift messenger, uh, to the nation scattered and peeled, and to a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Somebody gave me that little morsel the other day, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Our land is being spoiled by our rivers. That's one of the signs of the curse of God. Our land is being spoiled by our rivers. I mean, they're flooded. They're flooded out west. They flooded here. The mighty Mississippi, the, the Missouri River, about two or three years in a running. These rivers, you know, that this kind of floods only happen every 200 years, and yet one, two, three years straight in a row, this great flood has come. The Mississippi is on the rampage right now. It's still rising. It'll be rising under the better part of a week now before it reaches its peak. And, and the rains have come in Montana. They're bracing for a bunch of rains in Montana. You're not supposed to have that much rain up there in that area. And then they're, they're talking about the, uh, uh, the, the ice melt that's going to go on when the ice begins to melt and the spring comes and more, uh, more Floods and out California, the great floods of California just rained and rained and rained and rained. And, and, and God said, I can flood the land. I can spoil the land by the rivers. I'm proud that's in the Bible. I'm proud that God said, boy, woe unto you. Uh, you're not going to get by with a bunch of sin, a bunch of compromise. I'll spoil your lands. God's got all kinds of ways of spoiling a nation. And, and, but now here's the, here's the eagle's flight home, and we want to talk to you about that, his flight home, not his final flight. We'll be talking to you about his final flight later on. First of all, that flight is not something that we just, it just happens to the child of God. It's something that we're supposed to prepare for. Now, over in the book of 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 8, 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible said here, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Now, th these three verses gives us the past, the present, and the future tent of the home flight of the eagle. First of all, it's got to be, we got to be preparing for that flight. In the past, the Bible said in verse 7, I have fought. I have fought. Now, folks, God just didn't save us to take us to heaven. God saved us to put us in a battle. I have fought. I have fought. The eagle is a fighter. 
I have fought, he said. What do we fight against? Well, we fight against the same enemies that Christ had when he was in this, uh, when he was here on this planet. He had enemies. We've got enemies. We even fight, we've even got, I think, more enemies than what Christ had in the sense that Christ did not have the carnal nature that you and I have. Christ did not have the wicked, depraved heart that you and I have, but you and I have that wicked nature. We gotta fight against that wicked nature that comes from us. I mean, uh, I mean, that's a fight all the time. And if you don't have a fight with a wicked nature, boy, I'd like to talk with you after church. I'd like to know how you got the victory over that thing. I would. I mean, I'd like to, I, you need to write a book and tell the rest of us how to get the victory over a wicked nature. You know, one of the most surprising things to the child of God after that he's saved, a lot of folks think, well, I've, I've, I'm saved now and all my battles with my old nature is over with. Boy, are you wrong? <laughs> are they wrong? Now that I'm saved, my old nature just don't want to stay dead. Does yours, that old man, keeps wanting to crawl back out of the grave. God said we die daily, but that old stinker just wants to get up, though he's rotten and decayed and smells and rotten as all hell can make him, yet he keeps crawling back out of the grave. He keeps trying to live, though the Bible said he's been crucified, but yet he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't accept that yet. See, he's carnal. He doesn't accept the law of God. He doesn't accept. He accepts that which is natural. He doesn't want to accept the fact that he's dead. And he keeps crawling back. And Paul said, I die daily. And we're going to have to learn to do that. Well, what are we fighting against? We're fighting against the same enemies that Christ fought against. We're, fight, we're fighting against Satan. We're fighting against the devil. We're fighting against the wicked people of this world. Christ fought against them. They, they, they opposed him. They opposed his teaching. It's no big wonder that we get opposed as fundamentalists. It's no big wonder that the world says, I despise what you stand for and what you teach. They despise what Jesus stood for and what he taught. Israel had three big enemies, and we see that in the scripture. First of all, there, there was Egypt, there was the wilderness, and then there was the 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 uh, the fight in Canaan. You remember that? They had to fight the Egyptians. They had to fight in the wilderness. They had to fight the Canaanites. In Egypt, they had to fight the world. That was the world that gives them all these things. We're missing all these, they said. We're out here in this wilderness, and, and we're going to starve to death. And we're out here in this wilderness, and we miss the watermelons, the onions, the leeks, and all that stuff, but then the fish, and all that stuff that the government gave us. <laughs> but the government gave us. That the government gave us. Did you hear that? When you have the government, a lot of people don't realize that the God, they think we got the government. Government can't take care of you. Government can feed your belly. The government can put food on your table. The government can put clothes on your back. But the government can never save anybody. We need more than food and clothing and raiment. We need a Savior. The world needs a Savior. So they had to fight against that. They fought against the world, which represents Egypt. They fought against the wilderness, which represents their flesh. They got out there in the wilderness. I mean, nobody but there, but them and God. The old flesh got weak. Hello? Has it ever happened to you? It has to me. I mean, we're in a wilderness journey, honey. We're somewhere between the, uh, the cross and, and the crown now. We're traveling through a wilderness, and every now and then this old flesh gets weak. That, that flesh got weak. Then when they got to Canaan, they said, there's enemies in Canaan. You're going to have to get rid of those enemies. Those enemies in Canaan, my friend, represents the wicked spirits of this world. We get the flesh conquered, we get the world conquered, and we got to conquer then the devils of hell. And they come bombarding, and they come attacking, and they come tempting. They come bringing up a past. 
Well, the past of the, of the, of the eagle Christian, he said, I have fought. Then he said, I have finished my course. I want you to look at that word, my course. Paul didn't say, I have finished a course, or I have finished a race. He said, I have finished my course. Now, where did that course come from? Was it something that Paul decided he would do after he was saved? No. God told him when he saved him in the book of Acts, he said, I saved you to be a witness to the Gentile. I saved you to bear my name before kings. I saved you to be a witness to the house of Israel. Paul knew full well why he was saved. God charted his course the day that he got saved. He told him why he was saving him. Now, I believe that God probably loved Paul a whole lot more than he loves me and you. Do you think that? I don't think so. I believe that God saved Paul a whole lot better than he ever saved any of us. I don't think so. Paul was saved by the same grace that you're saved by. He's going to heaven by the same blood atonement that you and I are going to heaven over. And if Paul had a course charted for him, you and I have got a course charted for us. Now, the eagle Christian finds out what God's course is in his life. He zeroes in on it and he goes to work at it. Now, I've told you so many times, and, and I've emphasized and emphasized these seven gifts mentioned in the book of Acts, or I'm sorry, in the book of Romans chapter 12. If you find out what your gifts are, you work those gifts, you're doing what God saved you to do. Hello? Now we're going, we're going, I'm going, I'm going, <laughs> the last Dorcas ladies meeting, I'm going to condense four days of Bible study into a meeting, one meeting. And you're going to have to come with your eardrums in tune. You ladies. Gentlemen, don't you, don't you envy me? I'm going to get to preach to the ladies. On the last Dorcas meeting of the year, that's the next one, it's in May, and, and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to try to condense the fastest course you've ever heard on those gifts again of understanding your gift, working your gift, finding out what your gift is, knowing the weaknesses of those gifts, comparing your gift to what Christ would do if he was here and he does have that gift, and just learning how he would handle it. And boy, that, if I can do that, it'll be a miracle. But there's been miracles before. And so maybe there'll be a miracle again. So ladies, find out what your gifts are. Gentlemen, find out what your gifts are and work those gifts. Uh, I, I finished my course. That means Paul said, it's my course. It's not the course God charted for Timothy. It's not the course that God charted for Titus. It's not the course that God charted for Peter or John. He said, it's my course. You know what we're doing today? We're looking at other folks. We got our eyes on these other folks. We're saying, I want to do like they do. Good night. Paul said, I have a course. It's mine personally. It's distinctive. It's mine. Nobody else can do it. Amen. Boy, you learn that child of God, that's going to help you more than anything else. Uh, most of the time we begin to compare ourselves among ourselves and we compare ourselves to somebody that's so much greater than we are, got so much more talent than we are, we feel like we're a bunch of sorry, lousy failures. That's truth, isn't it? I mean, that's where we look at it. Folks, quit comparing yourself to anybody. Be what God wants you to be. You've got a course charted. Nobody can do what you are supposed to do other than you. Now, if that be the case, there are souls out there that nobody's going to be able to win but you. Now, that's, that's stout, isn't it? 
There are people in this world that God has purposed in his life, in his plan, to bring in contact with me and you, and nobody else is going to be able to influence those people like you and I can. That's my course. God told Paul, he said, I want you to preach to kings. Now, God's never called me to preach to kings. So what am I going to do? Am I going to get the pooch mouth because I can't preach to kings? Why don't I just do what God opens the door for me to do? <laughs> I was talking to Brother Alvin Wenzel. And, and Brother Alvin, and, I, and I, I just tell this, Al, I'm not, I mean, I, I tell it because it was a blessing to me, and I tell it because it fits in the sermon. Alvin kindly looked at Brother Bobby when he surrendered to be an evangelist to do the calling that God called him to do. And he kind of compared himself with Brother Bobby, and he's kind of looking forward to uh, 40, 50 meetings a year. But then he said, Preacher, I've decided that I'm not going to be used like Brother Bobby. So instead of going to 40 or 50 meetings a year, he said, Maybe God will give me three or four meetings a year, and maybe I can work those meetings thoroughly. Alvin, that's... That's grace, buddy. That's accepting God's will in your life. Hallelujah. And and don't tell me. Now listen, don't go around saying, well, if Alvin doesn't have 30 or 40 meetings like Brother Bobby, he's not as successful as Brother Bobby. Don't you think like that. Al Wenzel has got a ministry that Bobby McGillard can't even touch. And Bobby McGillard has a, a ministry that Al Wenzel can't even touch. See, that's what I'm saying. It's distinctively yours. It's my course. That's what Paul said. That, that he said, I have finished my course. And then he said, and I like this one, I think this is the past. Now, this is getting prepared to leave. This is what's going to take to prepare us to leave. Now, folks, it's pitiful when a man spends 60 or 70 years of his life and looks back and said, I have not fought the fight for Jesus. It's pitiful when a man gets to the end of his way and looks back and say, I have, I've known the will of God all my life, but I haven't finished the course that God charted for me. Now, that's pitiful. And, and when we waste the, all the years of our life and get down to the latter part, the twilight years, it's too late to go back and try to change the past. Now, what I'm saying is, get ready for your flight home today. I mean, it's from the time you get saved to the time you leave this old world. It's a time of getting ready for one thing, departing this world and going home to be with Jesus Christ. Don't waste a bunch of years and then try to last six months of your life to just fill it up with Jesus. It'd be better just to have it all filled up with Jesus the whole time you're running the course. Just seeking the will of God. I preached a meeting the other day, and a lady came forward after that meeting. She said, Pastor, said, uh, said you, you talked tonight about making a life rather than making a living. And she said, for the last several months, my husband and I have been majoring on making a living. And she said, our home is getting further and further apart, and it's affecting me and my husband. It's affecting our children. And, and only two weeks ago, we were sitting and talking, and the conversation went like this. We're majoring on the wrong thing. Uh, our lives are, have to, uh, he's going this way and I'm going that way and she said from this time forward I'm just going to settle down and I'm just going to make a life rather than worrying about making a living 
Now, before that meeting was over, she came to me and said, you know what, I got the promotion that I was wanting. Hello. Now, wait a minute, what does that mean? That means seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God said all these other things, I'll take care of them. Just put me first. I can trust God to take me to heaven, but I don't think I can trust him to make a life. Hmm? Is that not about the way we're operating? I can trust God to give me eternal life, but I don't think God knows how to bless me in this life. Oh, he does too. Just settle down, finish your course, get your eye on what God's caused you to do, called you to do, and keep on doing it. But here's the last part, and here's the most important part. I have kept the faith. You know what the faith is? That's the faith. That's the faith. Jude talked about the faith once delivered to the saint. That's what he's talking about, folks. I've kept the faith. That's the faith right there. I've kept this. I've kept this book. Now, it's, it's, we're, we're living in a world today where very few people realize the importance of the Word of God. This is a divine treasure. And, and, and it's just like you take your money and, and slap that money in a bank you are expecting the people that's in charge of that bank not to embezzle your money, but to keep it wisely for you and to preserve it. And, 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 and when you're ready for it, to take it out. Now, God said, I've given you a treasure. That treasure is contained in the pages of that book. That's called the faith. It's harder and harder as we approach the end time to earnestly contend for the faith. That same chapter of the Bible said, they will not endure sound doctrine but will heat to themselves teachers having itching ears and turning the word of God into fables. Now, folks, Paul said, all my life I've had one goal. I am going to keep the faith. I'm going to, I'm going to keep the Bible. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to guard it. I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to keep it against false, false doctrine. Now, I know I make folks mad sometimes standing up here preaching against some of these folks. You say, well, you just preach that because you think only Baptists are saved. Now, if you know me, I don't think all Baptists are saved. And, and, and I don't think that Baptists has got a franchise on, on, uh, on heaven or on salvation. Anybody that trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is going to heaven. I don't care what his title is. Now, you following me? And, 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 and I make folks mad sometimes because I preach against some false religion. Now, I preach against that false religion because it's contrary to the faith. And Paul said, I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm going to keep the faith. Uh, I'm going to keep this faith against unfaithfulness. Oh, my soul. Is it heartbreaking? How many folks do you walk down this aisle and make a big show and a big to-do? And I'm going to really get on fire for God. And the very next service, you can't even find them in the house of God. You know what's wrong with them? They need to get back to the Bible and start keeping the faith. The Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Just keep the faith, honey. The Bible will put you where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it. Amen. Just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. That, that my friend, uh, keep the faith against this mixture of heresy. You know, well, they're about 90% right. How would you like to go to the doctor that was about 90% right? 
How would you like to lay down on a surgeon's table and say, he's 90% right? I mean, 90% of the surgeries he performs, he does it right. Why, my soul. How'd you like to get on the airplane? Said 90% of the time the pilot makes it to the other end of his destination. I'd get on that airplane a whole lot faster than I got off of it. But are we not living in a day when somebody is almost right? We can accept them as brethren and endorse their efforts in the Lord. Now Paul said, listen to me. Don't get mixed up with this heresy. You stay true to the faith. I've kept the faith. Buddy, the face in the book. And when you keep the faith, it's going to bring true salvation, true sanctification, and I believe it'll bring true preservation. Amen. I believe the saints. I believe. I believe when the faith is preached and people are interested, my friend, uh, then they're going to persevere. That's the right word to use. Then there's there's. It's victorious. Paul leaving this old world in his past. He said, "I've been." Now watch it. Here's the, here's the summation of it. I've been victorious as a warrior. I've been victorious as one that's running my course, and I've been victorious as a steward of the word of God. I just mentioned the three most important things in our life as child of God. Let's war, let's finish our course, and let's be victorious as a steward of the Word of God. You know what a steward is? A steward is somebody that handles something that belongs to somebody else. God's put us in charge of His Word. That's not our Word, that's His Word. As good stewards, we're to handle the Word of God. Now, now that's that's the past in preparing for our flat home. And now in preparing for our flat home as eagles, let's look at the present tense part of it. He said, for I am now ready. I like now ready. Why couldn't he say I'm ready? He said, I'm now ready. And in, in, uh, I think it's... it's uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible said, now faith. Now ready, now faith. Now ready, now faith. Most of God's people think that they will be ready someday. Most of God's people envision them as serving God faithfully 100% someday. Paul said, I'm now ready. I'm now ready. What does that mean, now ready? It means I'm prepared for anything. That's a mouthful. I'm prepared to serve God anywhere. I'm prepared to serve God at any time. Now that's a mouthful. That's now ready. Paul's saying it's God's program that's important. It's not mine. It's God's plans that are important. It's not mine. It's what God thinks. It's not what people thinks. I am now ready. I like that. I like that word, now ready. I'm now ready for what, Paul? I'm now ready for service. Didn't I do good singing a while ago with Leanne? Thank you, brother. You're one in a million. One in however crowd. Got only one good amen out of that. I'll go home and Eat worms. I sung, a few, and, and I know you sneakers back there. You turned that thing on while I was singing. I knew you did. 
he's been threatening to do that ever since he's been back there. Going to catch me some of these days with this microphone on. He's going to turn it on the back. I knew I was singing amplified. But I thought I was singing rather good. Now, I might have been singing awful. Young people, you listening? But when I heard myself singing, whether it was awful or whether it was good, I kept on singing. I guarantee you, if I ever get up here to sing, I'm going to give it the best I got. I mean, God forbid that I ever have to get up here and sing, but if I ever get up here and sing, I'm going to give it the best I got. Now, somebody said, you can't sing, Brother Jim, so you'll never get up and sing in public. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Probably all. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I don't. You'll never hear me do that again. That's I. You honest man, aren't you? Yes. Fill of that hand. Fill of that hand. Is that hand wet or not? <laughs> is that fill of that hand? Is that hand wet or not? It's wet, folks. That has scared the living goose out of me to stand up here and sing, or try to sing, how great they are, brother Curtis. I did that to encourage this one. I did that to encourage that one and that one. I did that to encourage that one and that one and these over here. Don't be ashamed of what you can do for Jesus. Just give it the best of all you got. That's all you can do, folks. Now, I know I'm not a singer. You know I'm not a singer. But I, I'm not going to be embarrassed and humiliated if it ever comes my lot to sing. I'm going to sing. Be ready for service. And then here's one we don't like. Be ready to suffer. Lord, why do we have to suffer? There's a Bible principle, honey. If there's no suffering, there's no crown. I'm sorry. We don't hurt, my friend. There's not going to be any glory for us in heaven. We don't know what it's like to bear the reproach of the cross. We're not going to know what it's like to bear the glory of I don't like to hurt. I don't either. But for Christ's sake, I'm willing to hurt. Amen. For Christ's sake, I can have folks talk about you. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, I don't have to take vengeance. I, I, I went today. I went today into the grocery store, and I've been looking for some red grape juice. Have you ever found red grape juice in a grocery store? Now, you found purple grape juice. But have you ever found red grape juice? You know what? I found it today. I didn't know. I mean, I've looked and looked and looked. I went to the health food stores. I looked for red grape juice. And I, I went today to Food Line. And, and I was ready to walk out and I looked. It said red grape juice. Non-alcoholic was in a champagne bottle. I mean, it looked just like a champagne bottle. 
had paper around the top. I think it's got a cork in the top. I bought it. <laughs> Went to the cash register so fast. I said there'll be 14 deacons, 23 preachers, and 19 old gossiping bitty businesses that'll see me with this. And I set it down where it says non-alcoholic, where anybody that looked at it could see the word non-alcoholic on it. I brought the thing home, Michael, I put it up on my table, I turned it around where the kids and my wife could see it, I said, read the bottle, read the bottle, it looked like it's liquor, I said, read the bottle. You remember a man over here asked me one time, said, what's, what's the worst you've ever had done to you? I said, little black boy spit on me. So far, that's about the worst as far as an attack is concerned, I had a little black boy spit on me. I mean, one of them <laughs> kind. But you know what? I didn't die. I had a woman one time, or a man one time, tell, tell, just got it out publicly that I used to go by his store and buy beer every Friday night. Folks, all the beer and all the whiskey that I've ever had in my life probably is no more than the amount of water that's in that glass right there. That didn't hurt me. I was scared of it. I was afraid of what it was going to do. But you know, I've learned this, Tim. If people know me, then I don't have to defend myself. But those that don't know me, they'll believe a lie anyway. But to the people that know me, if somebody walked up to you and said, I saw your preacher checking out a food line with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Well, you probably could investigate food line and find out that they're not in the liquor selling business. Amen. Would you believe that I checked out with whiskey in my hand or liquor in my hand? But there'd be a world of folks that would. Be ready to suffer. Hey, here's a good one. Be ready to worship. Be ready to win souls. Be ready to pray. How's your prayer life? 